been lit, boy. Everything goes. We now return you to regular programming. All right, guys, it's Thursday. It's podcast night. On the phone right now, we have one of the most iconic defensive coordinators in the NFL, Mr. Rob Ryan. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're doing excellent, good, man. excellent. Awesome to have you on the show. I think the number one question we want to ask you is how are you and your family doing during uh, during the quarantine and COVID times, man? Crazy times. Yeah, it really is. It is. Uh, it's crazy, but I'm I'm still the uh, the optimist. I'm hoping for football this fall, and and uh, uh, you know I know those Philadelphia fans right around you guys got to be going crazy for baseball and mm-hmm. and get you know, get that started again, and, and hopefully uh, the Sixers can do something as well along with the Flyers. Hopefully. Now, it's, it's it's tough where we live because I'm a Saints fan. He's Dallas, so we're surrounded by all these crazy Eagles fans up here. Well, I've worked for both and been fired by both, but uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, the crazy thing when you're in this business as long as I have. I've, uh, every job I ever took as a D coordinator, we were ranked 31st was the highest we were ever ranked. And there's only 32 teams, so it's not like I ever took over really good situations. Yeah. But the, the one in New Orleans in particular, we were ranked dead last in the history of football. So, uh, And we went to fourth that first year and actually beat Philadelphia in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty proud of that. Hey, that that's uh, a good moment. Hey, any sure. team that beats Philadelphia, I'm proud of. <laughs> <laughs> in the playoffs, only oh, Sean Payton's only uh, road win. but uh, I remember that. I know that, you know. But I've also been in that stadium when I look up and go, let's see, 28 times two. Oh, my God, we better start playing better defense. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I was going to ask you, actually, you know, how tough of a challenge was that being a coach and coming into a situation where the defense is is ranked last and you take it to, I think it was fourth the next year, which is an amazing turnaround to have. Right. No, it was was great. But it's – you know, but I've, every job I've ever taken was ranked that way. It's, you know, it's once once dead last in the history of football. But uh, you know, but five of those teams and two of them we went in the top five, uh, and then the others all were in the top half of the league. So I'm proud of what I did as a coach. But uh, you know, I've always you know been able to put it out there, and uh, people take runs at me all the time. But hell, that's that comes with the territory. Uh, I mean, I'm Buddy Ryan's son, so I can take it and. Uh, I know he loved his time in Philly. Mm-hmm. Believe me, it's one of his his favorite spots, and uh, those fans were so so amazing and supportive. But they were they were tough when he first got there. He took <laughs> over a bad unit when he first got there as well. Now, how much of your dad's defense did you actually implement into your game planning? Well, uh, quite a bit. And, and as a matter of fact, when I got hired in New England. I think the reason I was hired uh, after a six-hour interview with Belichick, I'm sitting over there <laughs> looking, and, and uh, he's got all his coaches with him. And I go, you know, and I know, you know, you know when you're turning one of these interviews out, Tyler, you're like, man, this is a piece of cake. <laughs> then I see him rubbing his head, and I'm like, what, is, what the heck's going on? Man. He's like, we're so different. We're, you know, he was a zone guy, cover two. I was nothing but pressure back then because, yeah. you know, Learned from my father, so uh, but it ended up working. But you know, we ended up uh, morphing into a multiple scheme, which really uh, Bill was mostly a three-four cover two guy on first and second down. And and I like to say I actually had, I think I had a little bit of an impact uh, on his philosophy today, uh, being a multiple, you know, uh, guy in, in the Patriot way. But uh, he definitely had an impact on my career. He was. He was amazing. Situational football. He's the best in the business, and I learned so much from him. Now, did you guys end up getting along, or was there always like that awkward tension between you guys because you were so different? I think there's always a little awkward tension with Bill and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree but, with that. Uh, no, he was he was amazing guy, you know, to work with. But uh, you know, there are moments. I mean, there there are moments when you're like, man, this guy, he's. You know, and I loved writing, but I learned that really from Bill. Yeah. You know, uh, how the work ethic I always had from my father, but Belichick would take it to a new level. His his GM, oh, yeah. Nick Casario, uh, is still there. Uh, I remember one day he was, you know, nobody got sleep. I, I had to drive an offensive line coach uh, back and forth to work at night because he'd fall asleep wow. on the way home because wow. he developed a sleep disorder. But Casario broke his nose standing up 
Jeez. was standing up. He was so tired, he fell and broke his nose. So uh, that's the kind of grinding people, you know, uh, when they say, oh, this guy's a grinder. No, 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 no. This guy's a grinder. <laughs> like, believe me. Oh, wow. But he taught me a, a work ethic uh, that's unparalleled. And, and uh, uh, you know, I thank him for it every day. And, and shoot, then I went on and worked for Al Davis. So I've worked for some of the biggest characters. Oh, my God, yes. Rock, oh, man, yeah, I believe Al it. Davis, Jerry Jones. I mean, I've been around all of them. And, and uh, they are great people, but I've had a great past. Now, now, did it shock you when uh... – Brady left Belichick this off season, and do you think Belichick will still be the same kind of like controlling that team the way it was with Brady? You think they're kind of going to take a step back a little bit? Well, I think the the one thing with Bill is, you know, he's ever changing. Each week he adapts and he changes. Uh, you know, and I think he'll do the same thing. He's got Josh McDaniels, in my opinion. Is, right there the best coach in football right now is josh so i think having him there and having bill there uh, i think it's going to be a great offense no matter who's under center uh if cam newton's healthy believe me i've seen him up close and personal plenty oh yeah uh, that he'd be special i just don't i just can't imagine him being healthy and having 32 31 teams pass on him uh just it's remarkable so tough uh, yeah it's crazy but uh you know, so if he's healthy, I'm sure he'll be the guy. But if not, it, it, it could be interesting there in New England. Well, Rob, uh, the question I have for you is, is, as a linebacker's coach or a cornerback's coach, how much input do you actually have into the game plan? Well, I mean, uh, you know, when I was a coordinator for 13 years in the NFL, I had all the input. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but as, a, as a position coach, it just depends on, on who you work for. I think um, – you know, working for Bill, he doesn't care uh, who has the idea as long as it's a good one. Uh, and I remember me and Mangini were assistant coaches there, uh, Eric Mangini, uh, in New England our first four years. And, and Romeo would say, hey, we got this. Can we come up with anything? Well, me and Mangini would always fight to get our stuff in, you know. So, uh, you know, and then we clown the other one once we got our, once we got our defense in. But uh, – Believe me, we got a ton of defense in. I know, well, no one, oh, sure you did. Well, I did. So uh, <laughs> you say whatever, you know, the truth is the truth. And, uh, you know, so believe me, there's a lot of defense still to this day that they run uh, that I that I brought to them. But, uh, again, it was, you know, I, I made one call once. This is a true story. So, uh, uh, you know, as an assistant coach, you don't call defense. You just kind of. Well, you see what's called, and then you you know you watch your guys and watch whatever assignment you have. Uh, I was up in the box when we won the Super Bowl, our first year, uh, our second year in New England, and uh, I can remember uh, in, in the snow game, you know, against uh, the Tuck rule, you know, yeah, the Tuck yeah. game mm-hmm. against uh, the Raiders, and uh, you know, before you know the Tuck happened, we got hit, like oh man, game over. You know, it's a bummer. And Ernie Adams, who's Belichick's right-hand man, and, and uh, you know, he's he's part of the brains of Bill Belichick. Gotcha. He's like, man, that's a tuck. That's a tuck rule. I'm <laughs> thinking, what, what rule? What is that rule, you know? And then we got it. But then uh, came – they have the ball. We go down and score, but they have the ball. And, and they get it, and now it's a four-minute situation. They're going to try to run the clock out. Well, the first run hits us for about seven yards. And I'm like, so my only call, and, I, you know, Belichick does not like anything on the headset other than, you know, the personnel. So you tell him, hey, it's it's 21 personnel. And you don't say anything after that. <laughs> well, my thing was, hey, it's 21 personnel. Why don't we put goal line out there? What the hell's the difference? <laughs> he kept doing it. We stopped him. <laughs> wow. That's, that had to be a good I'm feeling. Like, like yeah, that was a good feeling, man. You know, so uh, but that was the only call I ever made that season. <laughs> but it was a couple good ones. You know, Richard Seymour stopped uh, Zach Crockett, who hadn't been stopped on a third and one all season. They decided to punt, and we went right down the field and scored, and and went to overtime, and kicked the field goal, and the rest is history. Wow. You know, as fans, we don't get to see what goes on until Sunday. What is a typical work week for like like for you as a defensive coordinator from? sun up to sundown how long are your days and and what does your work like workload look like for every day well you know people say always oh, brag whatever well remember i i did develop my work ethic from belichick and and i had it inherited from my father mm-hmm. 
But a typical day isn't my typical day. Most people don't work the hours I did. But my typical day was this. Uh, after you win or, or lose on Sunday, whichever the case, you come back on uh, Monday. You get there early, probably around 6, you know, evaluate the tape. Then you'll meet with the players. You'll go over everything as a defense. I like to meet together, you know, so – you know, the co- it can be coordinated, and, and there's not one coach telling the guy what a great job he did when you think he didn't do good, <laughs> you know. So I, I like to do that. But then after that would go, they, the players may, may work out a little bit. You know, it takes about three hours probably to go through a tape. Wow, and then, uh, But then after that, then you start on the opponent on Monday. And usually, you know, you're watching game tape. You're getting to familiarize yourself with the next opponent. Uh, a lot of guys go home uh, right when that Monday night football starts. Uh, but I always like to get ahead. So I mm-hmm. would start looking at first and second down. And I'd probably leave around probably 1 o'clock in the morning that on Monday. And then wow. Tuesday, you're up at 6, the player's day off. So this is the best, you know, that's the biggest part of the day, you know, the work week if you're going to get something done. And uh, so I always got, we got first and second down done that day. Uh, I usually try to split the staff up with guys. You know, you don't want every guy in there because they'll drive you crazy. Uh, but some places do. And, and Belichick always had a small staff, so it was fine. Uh, but some of these larger staffs, and you can have 20 guys in there and they drive you crazy. Oh, so yeah, they, I bet. You know, so, so you always try to limit it to about three or four guys. We go over everything, develop the plan on first and second down. And then, you know, put it to bed. You'd usually, you know, get that done around six o'clock probably. And then uh, then I'd always start with my uh, third down guy, uh, you know, try to get ahead with him. So I would grind until probably two, three in the morning with my one third down coach. Wow. Uh, so I'd have a plan for third down. The next day you come in Wednesday, you teach the first and second down plan to the players. Uh, you go out and practice it, then you watch it on tape. You know, you you walk through and practice. So you show them tape, you show them your plan, you walk through that, then you practice that, then you show them the tape uh, from practice. So they have a really good idea of what what's going to happen on first and second day. Yeah. You know, wow. and then you go back the next day, and now you're teaching the third down plan, which you've already met. But I always like to have my guys uh, – uh, fresh, so I'd always do uh, red zone by myself. So I'd always like to have my all my coaches off. Okay. After on on Thursday night, I have I call it date night, man. Everybody get out of the office, <laughs> just leave me there to grind. I'd grind all night long, but I, that prop that would be a, that'd be one of two or three o'clockers, you know, to just grind it out, but have the best plan I could have, and that's how each each day was progressed. But then Friday, nobody enjoyed a Friday more than I did. Uh, as soon as soon as practice was over early you'd always cut down your reps you'd have your your plan in place and then uh i'd be out of there shoot right after uh pizza friday, <laughs> pizza uh, friday. man do i love pizza now, oh i dominated the pizza now do, then, did you uh, did you ever get like a, a a time off like in the off season or did you have to get focused for like the draft did like the owners and the gms have any like defensive input as far as drafting players yeah, well, you get you get time off. Um, you always get usually about two weeks off, and then you'll come back. But from then on, like the first part of the day, you're working on on your scheme or whatever, and then the second half of the day is working on the draft players, you know. And also that'll be involved with free agency. So you wow. you know you're working all the way up to the combine, uh, but you're working banker hours. You're working nine yeah. to five, what I call them. You know, and you're off on the weekends, you know, so that's, you know, you get, you get plenty of juice, believe me, right after that, you get juice, but right after the season, you're ready for a break. You're tired. I mean, you bet worn out. And, and, uh, I can remember being in the playoffs my first year, uh, with Belichick, uh, when we were in the playoffs, I think we were getting ready to play Pittsburgh at a championship game. And shoot, I could stay awake through everything, but apparently asked me a question. I had no idea what he what he asked. <laughs> I guess I was asleep and he saw it. And uh, Pepper Johnson's like, "Yes, yeah." He hits me, goes, "Yes, uh, yes." Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea to this day what he asked. Man, <laughs> I think what's amazing as a fan is obviously we know that 
coaches go through a lot, a lot of yeah. work. But like what you just described to us, that like you got to love this game. That's a lot of work that you got to put in. I mean, you're like, that's tough. I bet you when you actually did get to go to sleep, you probably talked in your sleep a lot with everything that was on your mind. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, I know one thing. I was probably dreaming football, you know, because the weirdest thing. So I get fired in New Orleans. I, we were just horrible on defense. We let all our, our good players go. We let Akeem Hicks go, who's a Pro Bowl D tackle. You think about this one. Now, I know you're a New Orleans fan, Tyler. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. An all-pro young defensive tackle, we trade for a fourth-team tight end from New England. Mm. Uh, you know, and then I'm like, what are we doing? Then I, we remember let all our I remember that trade. I remember that trade. Oh, yeah, we had the three safeties. We had Malcolm. We had uh, 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 Roman Harper yep. and Carroll. None of them were left. And I'm like, Where? What? that was my package, man. That's all I brought was the, we had the three nickel, the three safety package. We were great. They were all gone. So that's pretty much when you know you're out of there. But anyway, <laughs> that's crazy. So, oh yeah, it was ridiculous. Now, what, what do you so think? Great, what do you think right of here. their their defense now? Their defense. Uh, well, uh, there's a lot yeah, of I'll good talent there. I'll get to it. I got to finish this story though about sleep. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Right, so, <laughs> so we get. So I get fired. I know. Hey, I, I you know I'm great, but I can't stop people without players. But anyway, so I get fired, and it's there's still about four weeks left in the season. So I'm like. You know, hell, everybody's waiting at the door for an interview. I'm like, man, let's get the hell out of here. Well, our friend owned a place in France. We fly out to France. And I know I had jet lag. But, man, I've never slept so much in my life. I've never <laughs> thought about football. I was on, there was a winery underneath us. I was drinking wine all night. It was the greatest experience. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, I think I think they're, they're, they're loaded. Like, Jeff Ireland has done an amazing job. Because believe me, there when I left, there wasn't a lot. There was Cam, there was Cam Jordan. Yeah, pretty much it. On. Yeah, pretty much it. Yeah, that was it. They traded Malcolm. You know, Malcolm went by free agency, and we got Bird, who, who was had a back problem. Yeah, that was a bad one. That, that one killed us. That was, that was a coach killer there. But uh, you know, but Jeff Ireland, when he got in there, now they they trust in him to draft defensive players and he has done a fantastic, fantastic job. job man. Now he, he really has. Obviously the Saints who've had a lot of heartbreaks these past, you know, 3 years. Do you think they still have the core defense, the core offense to still get to that Super Bowl run or, or run or do you think there's they're missing a certain piece yet? No, I really think they're good. I th- I think they've got everything. They've got coaching, they've got players, and they've got the uh the front office. All that is together, so they really aren't in a great shape to uh, to make a big run. I think I don't know if this is Drew's last year or not, but uh, you know he's such a winner and such such a great quarterback. So uh, uh, with all the weapons that they have on offense, uh, but you look at it, all those first round picks they have on defense. Oh yeah, I mean you know it makes it, and then they added Demario Davis, who's playing better than all of them. So. I, I think they uh, they have a great chance to do some great things. I love to hear. Well, Rob, who who makes the decision like that? You know, when you come in here, you turn a defense around, then you lose all your players. So the ownership had to know that things were going to change. But the defensive mindset yeah. that you bring in, it's still a good deal. It's a good package. It's a good plan. So why do they make that cut so fast? And why is it always the coach that goes? Well, I mean, at that part, I mean, you know, the results speak for themselves. We were a great defense, and then we changed. We went to Seattle's cover three, which had given our offense trouble. Uh, but I'm not pointing any fingers. I, I accept all the responsibility. I mean, when the defense is playing that poorly, the coach should go, but along with a lot of other people. And, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't just me. as all the players, too. So, uh, uh, you know, but at the end of the day uh, – you know, it's unfortunate, but that things things happen. Sometimes things don't go your way. Uh, you know, I enjoyed my time in New Orleans. Believe me, uh, great, oh, great, great, food. Uh, <laughs> yeah. great food. Yeah, great food. Yeah, great food, great people. Uh, you know, and and it was it was great. But uh, you know, those things happen, and and I don't blame. Them. I mean, look, you got to when you take a job as a coordinator or any any of these jobs nowadays, you have to be able to accept responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't cry about it. Now, last year we had a lot of crying going on in Washington. Players, coaches, everybody. Shoot, my kids were fighting me to play still at the end of the year when everybody else was quitting. So yeah. uh, uh, I know I did a great job of coaching. But <laughs> you know, hell, my kid got my kid led all rookies in tackles and forced fumbles. Well, you know what? 
round awesome. pick. I, I wouldn't want to see you lose any job, but it's, it's what's going on in Washington. It's probably a good thing that you're not there. Well, I mean, shoot, I, I don't know what's going on out there, and uh, you know, but hell, hey, I don't know. It's, you know, I was heartbroken when you when they got rid of you in Dallas. I was heartbroken. I was like, man, what the hell? Well, we had we had our defense was second in the league with five weeks to go, and then we never had any healthy bodies. We were down to guys that that were starting off the streets. I mean, literally four <laughs> of them starting off the streets that weren't even on anybody's roster. So, but hey, that's the way it is. They wanted to make a switch to a different defense, and and uh, uh, the one thing Jeff Ireland did tell me is Jerry Jones did say that was because we played him the next year when I was in New Orleans and held him to 180 yards of offense. And set a record on offense of forty oh, first yeah. down game against them. So that was the funnest game I think I've ever been a part of. But uh, Jerry did say that was definitely one of the biggest mistakes he ever made. Wow. So yeah. you know, and I and I agree with him. Now, <laughs> now are you like are you done coaching or like if the team comes out and no, offers you, are no, you still I'm looking? Just, I'm just I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm actually working looking at Alabama's defense right now. My son coaches out there. Wow. I'm trying to get make myself a better, you know, better coach while I'm not working. Right now I, I, uh, I work at the UK uh, at Sky Sports. I do the, all the games there. I've done that, you know, when I was off of work before. Uh, so I commentate. The nice thing is I get to watch every NFL game. I comment on them in 13-hour day on Sunday. But I really enjoy it, you know. So, yeah. uh, But I've also, you know, going proactive, studying the college game because you know it's coming back to the NFL. So when my chance comes, I've got a lot of top guys up for jobs next year that I plan on working for and that they've offered me already. So uh, we'll just see how it goes. But I'm not done yet. I'm far from it. Oh, yeah, man. That's hey, Rob, awesome. I have a two-part question for you. The one is, like, all these new coaches that are coming in right now, like McCarthy and all them and their whole defensive scheme, Carolina has a turnover. Washington has a turnover. With COVID going on and the lack of practice and stuff like that, how hard is it going to be for these teams to come out of the box fresh, knowing the game plan and doing all the things you have to do to win? Well, I mean, I, I was through it. We, I think every coach that was in the league a few years ago, when I first got to Dallas, we had the same thing happen. We had that strike. Uh, and then we – so we, we never had any OTAs with them. We just started right in training camp. So it's actually happened before. I don't think there's any excuses. I think if you're a good coach, you'll get that team going. And, uh, I like you know, that, and that answer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what it's got to be. It's – it's it's not like anybody else is practicing besides you know uh, Brady and the, and the Bucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the second part of that question would be if there's no college football, how is that going to affect the draft as far as coaches taking chances on players that they really don't get much playing time? Yeah, that'll be interesting. But I think nowadays with all these underclassmen guys coming out, I think a lot of them have been already viewed by the scouts. Uh, you know, but you're always going to have to do your due diligence, but. You know, if I'm like a Trevor Lawrence or somebody and they're going to move the uh, the college football to the spring, I'm not playing. Yeah. I mean, you know, that'd be crazy to do. Uh, so you, I'm sure you'll see if, if the if college football does get moved back, I bet you the top players won't even play. Yeah, because you think about it. If they move it to the spring, they'll be playing during the draft. Right. You're not, you're not you know, you'd be a fool to play. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Now, now, you've obviously got to play with a lot of – you know, amazing coaches, amazing organizations. If you had to pick, which one was your favorite? Uh, were you, are you able to pick one? Well, I mean, obviously I won two Super Bowls with New England. So uh, I think that was pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've been with some some uh, some programs that were a little suspect. Uh, you know, I left. I'm the only one dumb enough to leave New England and win two Super Bowls and go to Oakland. But, uh, <laughs> but I wouldn't change it. I really wanted. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I loved Al Davis. I was there for five years through four head coaches, and uh, but I loved Al. And, and you know, shoot, we went to that's where I got coordinator of the year in the NFL. I've been a coordinator a year in major college and a coordinator a year in, in the NFL. So it's amazing accomplishment. Uh, that something that I you know I took a lot of pride in. I think our defense played really well. I I got to coach uh, Hall of Famers Warren Sapp and and Charles Woodson. Uh, Nambi was heading that way. He should have stayed with me. Uh, but you know, that's, uh, it was great experience. I loved it. My, my wife's from California, so it was a unique experience, but we really enjoyed it. And then just to move on, I mean, shoot, I went to Cleveland, enjoyed, enjoyed my time there with, with Mangini, uh, you know, but 
New Orleans was really my type of city. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. I loved the people. And, uh, you know, I'm still big there, and I really enjoy it. Awesome. You know, I have one more question for you before we let you go, and I appreciate all your time that you've given us. As the league changes, and like you see it now, it's becoming more of an offensive league. How tough is it for a defensive coordinator to come up with a game plan because the way they're throwing flags anymore? You know, do you change your style at all? Or do you still have your corners pressure? Do you still, you know, you can't hit quarterbacks certain ways anymore? How hard is that on you? Well, I think the biggest thing is uh, each year there's there's subtle changes. So you have to stay ahead of the curve. I mean, you know, you don't have to like the rules. You just got to play by it. So it, it's one thing. Uh, it's an even playing field on, on everything you do. So, uh, you know, the biggest thing is now you've, you've got those rules, but you've also got, you know, the RPO game, the, uh, uh, you know, all these all these different quarterbacks that run and cause issues there. So there's a lot to this game. And that's why, that's why I'm actually, you know, being proactive. I'm studying what Alabama does. That's awesome. Because there are, because you know, those, those plays, those type of offenses are coming to the league, whether you want them to or not. Absolutely. It's not, yes. like, it's not like back when my dad was coaching, you know, said, well, we'll run the speed option, you know, against the 46. Yeah. Well, I'll kill your quarterback. But hell, you can't even hit the quarterback on his knees anymore, <laughs> you know. So, uh, uh, you know, you know, they used to talk people out of it, <laughs> you know. So uh, you can't talk them out of it now. You got to defend them. So, uh, you know, it, it's a unique challenge, but uh, you know, it's something that's an even playing field. And, and uh, you know, the biggest thing I think the biggest change is, and that's been a, that's a big change. But the biggest change I believe is the way players are the the millennials compared to the guys that you had and they would stay as long as you would to study tape guys aren't like that anymore guys yeah. got all this other stuff going they've got my brand my this my yeah. this, you know and and it's a little different but uh you know you have to appreciate where they're coming from you have to be able to adapt it's still a it's still a game where uh that player has to play for his coach oh yeah, you know and, and they got to believe in this coach and and uh, you know, I think I think that's the beauty of the game. I think it keeps a coach young. You're you're around the alpha males, the best of the best, and uh, and these guys. I had so much fun coaching last year. The season was terrible, but I enjoyed watching, you know, my young players develop. Uh, you know, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch those guys keep competing, and uh, and they're going to be good players because of it in the future. Oh, yeah. You know what, son of a gun, I just had two more questions popped in my head, and I really don't want to be a pain in your butt, but I have to ask oh, you. Ahead. What happens during halftime? You know, as a fan, we sit back and wonder if the coaches are really chewing the shit out of the, of the players for playing lackadaisical. What happens during halftime? Well, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take that in two parts, because in college, man, it's always that pregame speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your pregame speech in, in pro football. All right, guys, let's go get them. <laughs> <laughs> but in college, in college, you had a long time, man. You got like 45 minutes to get the players and all that. In pro football, you get like 15 minutes. So guys, by the time they get to the locker room, they go to the restroom, they come back, you show them the quick adjustments, and they got to go back out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you may have a couple of, uh, you know, a couple great, you know, whatever butt chewing's in there or whatever you got to give them, you got to give them basically on the way out the door. So they happen quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do they do happen still? Sure. There's no question, but uh, you know, it's, it's usually, Hey, let's get in there make the adjustments. What can we do better? We're going to run this now going forward and we go back at it. So, uh, uh, but I'll tell you who, who's the best at it is new England because what they'll do is they'll have an entire different attack for the second half. Yeah. So, you know, so they've already got that plan. Wow. So not only have they got their adjustments, they, they're hitting you with a, with a different combination. So uh, that's what I always thought was great about them being a part of that culture uh, and learning from them. It, it was unique and it was it was good. So y'all, you never play your full deck of cards out there in the first half. You, know, you keep keep something close to your vest, ready yeah. to hit him. With. Keep something well, you on your sleeve. The, the best thing I like about Bill Belichick is is he's not a coach that just stands in one spot on the sideline with a headset on. You see him; he's in every huddle. He's in the offensive line. He's in the defensive line. He's talking to the corners. He coaches, and you don't see too much of that anymore. 
Right. Well, you know, if you knew Belichick, he's got the smallest staff in football. So uh, he's got great coaches, but, you know, he's got to do a little bit of everything because he's so understaffed. There's staffs out there with 30 coaches, and then there's his staff with like eight or nine. Now, so, he, yeah. does he prefer that? Like, is that, is that, oh, yeah. That, oh, gotcha. No question. Gotcha. He wants guys that work. He wants guys that, you know, in the same building that, you know, that, that are the same commitment as he's got. So, yeah. uh, you know, and, Hey, I mean, there's there's pluses for both, uh, you know. But yeah, I've been a part of every every one of them, so you know I can adapt to any of them. All right, and my last question, and I promise this is my last question: of all the defenses that you've ever ever seen, whether you coached them or not, what is the best defense you've ever seen? Whether it's your dad's defense with the Bears, yeah. whether it's the Steel Curtain. Yeah, well, without a doubt, it's, it's the '85 Bears. Well, not even close. And anybody that says different never sat on the sideline and watched them play. Yeah, they scared the hell out of the other team. They, they were, every one of them was scared. They took the field against that defense. They were scared, and for good reason. Yeah, I bet. Wow. Well, Rob, we thank you so much for just giving us this time and really giving us an insight to the NFL. It's been an amazing educational experience. Uh, like I said, we hope you and your family stay safe and just have an amazing time. Thank you, thank you, guys, and appreciate the time. No Thanks problem. Thanks a lot, Rob. Good luck have a with great everything. Night. All right, thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Ryan. Rob Ryan. That was awesome. Rob Ryan. That was awesome. Thank you, Rob, so much. Wow. You know, and this is – I I say this after all the interviews, but this is what I love because, you know, as a fan, we sit back and we're, like, wondering what they do, what's this, what's that. Dude, he took us through our whole week schedule. awesome, you know? You know, and you're, you're like, hoping, like – I hope the guy, the coach is in there flipping over a table, screaming. (laughs) Okay, guys, let's go. Yeah. Wow. Rob. Great insight. Well, guys, we have a second interview coming up just moments away. So we were just going to take a five-second break for you guys, but we'll be right back. All right, we're back, guys. We got on the phone UFC fighter, lightweight, Matt Frivola. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing good. Just had a a good day of training, and uh, it's a beautiful day out in Long Island, and uh, feeling good. How how has the training been for you, Matt? Do you have to wear masks or anything when you're training? No, no, but uh, the training training is kind of like the gyms are all still closed, but it's it's kind of like secret trainings here and there. It's uh, small groups, and uh, and it's 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 kind of like uh, like Aljamain will hit me up, and be like, "Oh, we're getting a group together here at this time, and let's do it." You know, it's kind of it's you got to take take the training where you can get it right now at this point. So now, basically, as you're training, are you you're not training for anyone in particular as far as a fight? Are you just working on general moves, working on your ground game? What do you what do you do as far as that? I'm having fun with it. You know, I'm I'm a martial artist at heart, and I'm always training. And uh, honestly, time times like now, you know, uh, where I'm I don't have a fight booked right now, but I know I'm gonna have a fight soon. I'm I'm just training everything. I'm having fun with it. Um, I'm, you know, some days we go in there, we spar. Some days we go in there, we do jujitsu. Some days we cage wrestle, uh, and and it's it, just having fun with it. And I saw growing up, you did play a lot of sports. What made you, uh, you know, want to pursue the martial arts field? Um, I wrestled in uh, in middle school and high school, and that was uh, that was definitely like like uh, my my com- like combat uh, competitiveness came out during that, but. Yeah, I played football. I played uh, uh, lacrosse. I played baseball growing up, um, and uh, you know, once and then I played a little uh, college football, a little college lacrosse, and then once that was over, I really, you know, I missed I missed wrestling, and and my buddy did jujitsu, and and started getting into uh, jujitsu because I missed the grappling, and then it kind of took off from there. That's awesome. Now, since you live in New York and you played baseball a little as a kid, you know, are you a Yankees fan? Because we're big Yankees fans over here. Oh man, I'm a Mets fan. Oh, man. Man. <laughs> there it is. I was I was born that way. <laughs> hey, it's okay. New York split. You either Yankees fan or Mets fan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've been to a, a Subway series or two. Those are fun. Now you said you don't have anything lined up yet, but you expect something <laughs> soon. How much time does Dana White and them give you as far as preparing for a fight? Man, I've gotten from like three weeks, three weeks notice to. I, the most notice I've gotten was like like eight weeks notice, usually. But usually I, for me, I always tell I, like I tell my manager 
when I'm going to be ready. And then, and then I'm ready by that date. And, uh, so like I told them, uh, you know, the earliest August 29th is, is what I want now. So I'm training kind of getting physically, mentally, uh, everything prepared for, uh, August 29th. But I also told them that if, uh, September fight Island comes about, I would not mind waiting to get out to Fight Island because I really want to go to Abu Dhabi. That would be an incredible experience. Cause they just had they looks beautiful there. That whole setup. I mean, training on the beach, everything. It looks great. Now let me ask you: Do you think uh, Jorge Masvidal? Do you think that was kind of foolish to take a fight like that on six days' notice? You know, um, we don't we don't really know like what shape he was in. I I, I got a feeling that he was training. Um, I know, I know he's, he's like a fighter's fighter and all that, but like a title fight on six days notice, I, I think he was in there get, getting his teammate Dustin Poirier ready for his fight. I think he's been, I think he was training the whole time. And, uh, luckily he was training because he, you know, he had, he had the balls to take that, that title fight in six days notice. So I, you know, power to him. Wow. Do you think just the style of the fight wore him down? Oh yeah. You know, Usman is uh is a beast he's so well-rounded such a good technical striker and a strong wrestler and and that's like the the probably the worst matchup you want to take with a guy on short notice you know yeah now do you personally because i know you were just talking about this do you like not knowing who you're gonna fight like so quick or do you like knowing in advance like i'm gonna fight this guy can study some of his last fights because i know like if it's uh you know a quick notice they really don't have time to study you either which is a plus but do you like to like get to study your opponent? Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. Uh, I like um, I like to get notice. You know, like eight eight to ten week notice is ideal. Um, but you know, I, I always like I like to be in shape when I get notice. Like you know, that's why I say, you know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fight ready August 29th. So I'm hoping to get some news soon. And and I'm in shape right now. I'm feeling good. I'm training good. And uh, and now I'm I'm ready I'm ready for a name I'm ready for an opponent I'm ready to uh, to dial dial in my skills uh, to uh, a specific opponent and sharpen those weapons to uh, to beat you know beat whoever's in front of me so yeah, yeah absolutely no, no Matt I have to ask you about the rankings because I'm looking at the rankings now and you're in a, a loaded division I mean you have some big names Habib you know Justin Gaethje Puri uh, Ferguson. You know, Connor, whether Connor's fighting anymore or not, but yeah. I don't understand. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like you, you look at you look at some of these records and some of these guys have fourteen losses and you're sitting down there at eight and one. How does that ranking work? Like it's not like something I'm typically used to, like in like college basketball or sports where you fall after you lose. Yeah, it's it's a little the rankings are always a little weird, but um I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that they do the rankings like uh I think like some of the, like the the credential like media guys, they all like like vote for like the rankings or something like that. But um, I mean, I I know that everybody in the UFC is is tough and game. You know, you're not gonna get to the UFC if you're not if you're not skilled and you know. So uh, I think you know it's it's good to to fight you know up up the ranks because that's that's what you got to do to get to the title um but you know right right now i don't i don't even really look at the the rankings i'm just i'm just uh excited to get you know who whatever matchup yeah. i get and then, oh, and then really yeah, dialing take, in. taking it one fight after another now what is your view on how the ufc has been handling like the the precautions and guidelines. I feel like they've been doing a good job as far as covid and ufc one thing that i think is pretty you know awesome is Obviously, it's a downside that there's no fans, but you get to hear things that you typically wouldn't hear in a normal fight. I mean, as a fighter, too, you get to easily communicate with your corner because you don't got to worry about the noise being so loud. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a different aspect. Um, but for, for me, you know, I, I, when, I'm, when I'm in there fighting, I'm, I'm pretty focused on the task at hand. It's, you know, the no crowd doesn't really affect me uh, but it it would it would be a little weird, you know, kind of hear, hearing the other person's opponent. But uh, but yeah, we'll see. And then, and then the other part of your question, the U, the UFC has been doing a real good job with uh, putting these fights on in in the safest way possible. Um, you know, unfortunately, I was like, I I was on the bad end of that, but I mm-hmm. get it. You know, 
Yeah. Like, uh, my cornerman tested positive. Uh, I tested negative, but, but they still had to, they still pulled me off the card. Yeah. Just, just cause, uh, I was in, I was like, you know, I traveled with him and everything. You were in his bubble, which sucks. Well, we hope your yeah. corner man is doing well. Uh, this COVID thing, it's like Russian roulette. You don't know what the outcome's going to be with this thing. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Now, what kind of style of fighting do you like? Do you like to stand up and, and just go toe-to-toe, or do you like to get on the ground? I mean, I love it all, man. I love it all. I, like I said, you know, I started out as a wrestler, and then uh, I fell in love with uh, Muay Thai. And uh, and I, I've been out to Thailand a couple times, and uh, I got to, you know, tr- really train the Muay Thai from, uh, from the motherland out there. And uh, it's just, you know, the, the eight limbs of death. I love the elbows. I love the knees. I love the power. I, <laughs> I love the way the way of life out there. Um, you know, so and I, and I go through phases, you know, like I, I, I go through phases where I just love Muay Thai. And then and then I, I go through phases where I just want to do a lot of I love jujitsu. You know, jujitsu is great. Um, just, you know, a goal of mine is always to get my black belt. I think uh, I think that's a huge a huge accomplishment to get your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. That's always been a goal of mine. I, I you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, wrestling, boxing. I, I really love it all, but I, I guess you'd say those, those four martial arts uh, I focus on the most. And then the, the way that I put them all together in a mixed martial arts fight is uh, that's that's the steamroller, baby. Oh, it's a, yeah. it's amazing, well, it's amazing the different things that a fighter can do. Um, now, when you're in the ring, especially with the no crowd, you hear some of these leg kicks and these punches that that fighters are throwing, and you think to yourself, "That's gotta hurt." Like, but in the ring, is it more of like an adrenaline thing where you don't feel the leg kicks you give to these guys, you don't feel the punches you give to these guys, but then you go to the locker room after everything settles down, and it's like you just feel everything after that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. When you're in there, you got your adrenaline going. You, you know, you're fighting, and uh, and I, I don't feel much when I'm in there. But as soon as that fight's over, and I'm 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 limping out of the octagon, and, you know, <laughs> and, and then I get the ice on, and then the adrenaline dumps, and it's and it's uh, and I'm feeling it. But uh, I'm limping into the after party, and then at the after party, I don't I don't feel anything. No, anymore. you probably wake up though. I'm feeling like you got hit by a truck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What did you think of as far as the Fight Island first set of fights there? Uh, oh, did we lose him? Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you were breaking up. What did you think of the of the Fight Island fights? They've been looking awesome. Uh, you know, the, I think it's pretty amazing what Dana White did, just put in putting together that that island in Abu Dhabi just to pump out these fights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, you know, Abu Dhabi looks awesome. Um, I've always wanted to go out there. Uh, it looks, it looks like a great show and, and I think they're going to keep, keep pumping these fights out, out there. So hopefully I get to go. Now I have to, I want to ask you something as far as like what's been going on. Like I heard Dominic Cruz, you know, his last fight against, uh, uh, who did he fight? Sahuda. Yeah. You know, he, they stopped the fight, and Dominic Cruz to this day still says, "Look, I was on my knees, I was getting up, and I was still, I was protecting myself, I was still taking shots, but I was moving to get up." And they stopped the fight, and then you see someone like Aldo who absolutely got destroyed, and they didn't stop the fight right away. Yeah. How are you as far as a fighter? Are you like, look, I want to fight till I'm knocked unconscious, or do you think the refs are doing the best they can to prevent further injury? Being the MMA ref is probably one of the hardest jobs out there. You know, if you if you do if you like, you never. It's a thankless job. But if if you if you do a shitty job as an MMA ref and and let somebody take you know too many blows like that Aldo fight, you're an asshole. Yeah. If you stop the fight too early, with you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough job. But uh, I mean, I watched. I I remember that Dominic Cruz Cejudo fight and. Uh, I know Keith Peterson, and uh, I agree with his stoppage. Uh, I think Dominic Cruz uh, was kind of, was kind of being a little baby about it, uh, but it's easy to uh, say you're okay after they call the fight. Yeah, exactly. He was he ate like four or five shots, like with his head on the mat. Like, oh yeah, I think uh, I feel like in the moment, you know, you're frustrated, 
after all the training you've done. But I feel like when you go back and watch film, you're kind of like, I'm kind of happy they called that fight. You know, I'm I know, still here. I know Dana actually came out, and he was actually ripping the referee for not stopping the Aldo fight sooner. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that fight definitely needed to be stopped, like, way sooner. And and uh, that's why I always kind of side on the the, the side of caution. You know, you, you got you to gotta take care of the fighters. Uh you know, you don't want uh, any serious brain brain uh, injuries to happen, mm-hmm. and even it, like that. It, like I said, it's a tough job, and uh, you got to side side on the side of caution. I think. Now, now, my last question for you here is: you know, as a fan, we watch these fights, and there's a moment almost in every fight where a fighter takes a, a big blow to the face, and you know the commentators go crazy, the crowd goes crazy, and you see those wobbly legs. And you know they're in danger. Now, as a fighter, do you notice that? Like, obviously, you notice you just got hit. But, like, are you still thinking clear? Or is it, like, a little cloudy, like, on your perspective of that? Well, you're saying, like, uh, when you get hit with a good punch and, and you rock? Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, like, like my last fight, I got hit with that flying knee by Violent Bob Ross. Oh, man. I was definitely, I was definitely on Queer Street for a minute. <laughs> uh, but... But uh, that's that's where your you know your training comes into uh, play, your conditioning comes into play, and uh, you know you got to get on your bike, you got to jab and move, and you got to recover, and uh, it takes a little time. And then and then you know having having a good wrestling background, being able to uh, shoot for a takedown and and even get a takedown and recover is, is big. But uh, yeah, you know it's it's part of the fight game, uh, being able to. Uh, you know, come back from, from adversity and, and, uh, and just being, you know, I guess being able to take a shot, you know? Yeah. And, and once, once you realize that, that you, you know, like fighters who start out, you know, your chin, you got your chin down, your eyes up, your hands up, you know, you could, you could, you're not made of glass. You could kind of, you could take a shot at, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, could drop you any day. Yeah. And you, you know, you got, you got to be able to trust your defense and, uh, trust your movement and trust your training. And, uh, and fight through that, those kind of things. Well, Matt, what what is a more deadly fighter to fight? Someone that wants to go toe-to-toe with you, like a Conor McGregor. Conor's not really good on the ground. Justin Gaethje, I mean, he's got stone hands. Is someone that wants to go toe-to-toe fighting like that, or is someone like a Habib that can get you on the ground and be technical with you? What's more dangerous in your eyes? Um, You know, you, you got to be well-rounded for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know... I, a, a striker who's going to just go in there and like stand right in front of you and, and bang, you know, is kind of, you know, is kind of like a 50, 50, you know, they, they, they'll go, they're going out there, they're throwing, you know, they can knock you you out or you can knock them out. But so it's almost like 50, 50, but a guy with like a Khabib who, who, you know, is like just such a strong wrestler, such good control, uh, you know, good submissions, um, you know, I think that's definitely probably tougher, a specialist that way. I mean, me personally, I I feel, you know, I'm I'm prepared for either one. But but like I said, you know, there's always a puncher's chance when chance when you when you're standing and banging with another stand-up guy, you could catch them, they could catch you. But against a, a guy who's such like a strong grappler, like uh, who can just control you, you know, you you kind of kind of have no hope when you're under a guy like Khabib and he's just taking your soul away you know yeah (laughs) that's crazy now if if you had to give yourself like an overall rating what what's your best part of your game and if you have any I don't like there's not a lot of UFC people that listen to our podcast but if you have a weakness what would it be um a weakness I would say uh Bacon, egg, and cheeses, and pizza. <laughs> That's a good answer. It's a good and, answer. And pizza, yeah, and uh, ice cream, yeah. No, like, just like you know, just one of the hardest parts about it is uh, you know, staying disciplined with your diet and your training, and mm-hmm. and 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 staying good with your with your recovery. You know, that's one thing a lot of these fighters don't take serious is their your recovery, um, and uh, yeah, just. You know, living living like a martial artist, training training day in and day out, uh, being smart about your body, listening to your body, being in tuned with your body, um, and then uh, cutting the weight. Obviously, you know, 
I, I'm like a natural fat kid at heart, but I got to cut down 155 pounds, wow. which sucks. But uh, but we're a professional, and and you know I, I've I, I got my I got my process, and uh, and we always make weight. So uh, yeah, I think I answered the question. You did, you did. Now, do you do you think anyone's ever gonna beat Khabib? Oh man, that's a good question. I think uh, the best guy who's got a shot at it is retired, and that's not not Conor McGregor. That's George St. Pierre. Uh, yes, yes. I think, I think G, I, and and I know. I think I think Khabib. I mean, people are saying that uh, Khabib's father passed away. Yeah, I heard and, that. Uh, they're saying they're saying that he might not even come back, and I I I hope he does come back because uh, you know Khabib is is. You know, one of the is one of the best uh, pound to pound out there, and and that him versus Justin Gagey is a fight that we need to see. I agree. I'm I'm so excited for uh, Justin Gagey and Khabib. It's going to be a amazing fight, and, and I think my boy Gagey's going to get done. I hope so. I, I mean, I really, I mean, nothing against Khabib. I would love to see someone beat him, just like Amanda Nunez. You know, I'd love her to lose once. She, she's just she's a beast. I mean. And, I would love just to, I like the upset. That, I mean, like, like when Ronda Rousey went in there and she tried to throw hands with her, I knew she was done. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's tough to, uh, you don't really see a lot of uh, MMA guys uh, stay undefeated. That's what's pretty amazing about mm-hmm. Khabib, too, is that he's he's still undefeated. You know, even even uh, GSP had that that loss to Matt Sarah. Um, you know, it's it's tough to stay undefeated like that in, uh, in MMA. But, uh, We'll see. You know, I think Khabib's Khabib's got a good shot at it, but we'll yeah, see. We'll see, man. Well, Matt, we want to thank you for just giving us time. Um, Especially after busy. training, yeah. you know, to take the time to call us. That's awesome. But um, yeah, of course, man. We hope you and your family stay safe, man, and we're we're wishing you luck with everything going on in your future, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, if you want to talk, hit me up. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely thank you, man. Have a good night. Yeah, and uh, tag me on whatever you guys uh, do with this, and I'll share it. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. I really do. All right, cool. Have a good one, guys. You You too, too, man. God bless. Later. What a great day we had. We had two solid interviews. Two solid. I feel drained. I don't know if it's because I was nervous for some of these interviews. But you know what? These interviews are getting so much easier. You know what I mean? We don't have... I know in the beginning, we were like reading off sheets. It was like Writing down notes. We were just getting notes and notes and notes. And And now it's just... just the the flow. Like, Like Matt... And, and Rob, Ryan, you know, just the questions, you know, just. It's great, man. It's it's nice when they give you good answers like that. Like we've had people on a one, one word answer. Yeah, when they like to talk, it goes more smooth. It's just, a, it's a re, it relaxes you and just, it's an overall fun time. It's very educational. But the key is, is we want to stay respectful with these people. So they actually stay, you know, they like doing the podcast. They come back on because I'd love to talk to these people again. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's an awesome blessing for us to get the inside scoop on sports that, we really didn't know much about. Mm-hmm. Well, this will be up on all the, po- all the all the platforms, guys. YouTube usually takes a day later. Um, continue to share that love, guys. This podcast is growing and growing, and we're absolutely blessed, and we love every single one of you guys and every moment of it. We hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys next week. It's going to be hot.